Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio. For centuries, eyewitnesses have reported seeing giant creatures in the woods of North America and beyond. These forest giants have been known by many names, including Sasquatch, Oma, Yowie, Yeti, and their most commonly used name, Bigfoot. Join us as eyewitnesses share the details of their encounters with these forest giants on the show. And now your host, Vic Cundiff. Hi everyone, thanks for listening. If you've had a Bigfoot encounter of your own and would like to be a guest on the show, please go to BigfootEyewitness.com and submit a report. I'd love to hear from you. My name is uh, Bobby Woods. I am a uh, Bigfoot researcher in uh, Uwari, North Carolina. I've been doing research now since uh, 09, and uh, it will be going on 12 years from me. Uh, I've got some uh, good encounters I'd like to share with you, but uh, I'm going to start back when I was really young to what got me actually into Bigfoot. When I was around 10 years old, uh, we lived in a small trailer park um in a little town between trinity and artsdale north carolina and uh, the name of the trailer park was actually called hillside trailer park uh when i said i was between nine and ten years old my first encounter i remember that where the trailer set there uh, the back of the hill went straight down and there was this huge barbed wire fence it was an old barbed wire fence some was still up some was tore down and like I said, past the fence was just nothing but woods. That's all. It was, all basically, it was all it was around. It was nothing but woods, front and back. Um, the first encounter that I'm pretty sure I can't swear that it was a Bigfoot, but to me, after I think about it years later, it could have been. I remember I was out there, and I can't remember exactly at that moment what I was doing, but I remember that I was right there at the barbed wire fence, and I was walking up and down that fence. And like I said, I cannot remember exactly what I was doing, but I remember I was walking up down that barbed wire fence. And to my right side, which would have been towards the actual wood line, every time I would take a step, I could hear something walking. And when I would walk 
you know, it would walk. And when I would stop, it would stop. And at that time, I didn't really think nothing about it. But I noticed that I was starting to get like a, um, a creepy vibe about it, like something wasn't right. Because like I said, there was no cows out there. There was no animals out there. It was just an old barbed wire fence and nothing but just like a small little pasture and just nothing but the woods. But there were no animals out there, no critters at all. And like I said, I would walk, it would walk, I would stop, it would stop. And for some reason, that's how it all started with me because it just gave me that eerie presence like something was out there watching me. And I never forget that when I would go up to the trailer, <laughs> and I know this probably sounds corny, but when I would go up to the trailer, I would go straight to the back of the trailer and I would open up that bedroom window and I would look right down into that little pasture and that, that patch of woods thinking that I was going to see something or whatever it was that was out there following me. Never saw nothing, but it was, it was always a, an eerie feeling because at night when I would go outside with my dad or my mom or whoever, or if I was just out there by myself, that once it got dark, I did not want to be out there near the end of the trailer towards that wood line. I just, I just did not. Well, that was how pretty much it all started for me until I turned about 10 years old and I'll never forget it. One night I'm laying in bed and my dad, his name was Robert. You know, so I was laying in bed and all of a sudden my grandma who lived with us, she spoke up and it was probably between, I'm going to say one thirty and one forty-five in the morning. She spoke up just out of the blue and she said, Robert, Robert, there's a man looking through the window at me. And my dad, you know, he, <laughs> being what he was, he said, just shut up going back to sleep. He said, ain't, ain't nobody looking at you. And she said, no, she said, I'm telling you, there is a man because I can see his hands and his eyes looking at me through the bedroom window. OK, well, the thing about that bedroom window is it was at least to where the trailer is at least seven, a little over seven feet up in the air. So either the person was standing on a bucket and there's no way they was doing that to where it was at. I mean, because the ground wasn't even level with them standing on a bucket like that. But anyway. She said, Robert, there's a man looking at me. So my dad gets up. He comes up the hallway of the trailer. And as he's coming up there, he, you know, he beats on my door. And he says, get up. He says, come on. I said, where, where are we going? He said, we're going outside. There's some guy looking at you, grandma, on the window. So we go out there and we cut around. The, uh, let's see. We go out the front door. So we go around the side, which would be on the left side of the trailer. And there's an old street light out there, not like the ones nowadays where they're, you know, they're real good and bright, but it was one of them old damn street lights that only lit up just a little bit of the ground. That was pretty much it. And a little bit of the side of the trailer. Well, we go around the side of the trailer and just as soon as we cut the trailer, my dad's on the right hand side of me and I'm on the left at the very end of the trailer, just before you would actually start and go down the hill toward the woods, there was a tall black silhouette standing there. And I'll never forget it. I mean, I'm serious. I will never forget this because my dad said, I don't know who you are. He said, but you need to get out of here right now. And it just, it just stood there. But like I said, it was tall. It was the silhouette was it wasn't real bulky looking. You know, it was kind of like thin, but it was tall and had long arms. I'll never forget that. And my dad spoke up again. He said, I'm telling you, he said, I don't know who you are, but you need to get out of here right now. And like I said, it, it just stood there. Well, my dad had like a, an old 22, you know, and didn't really nothing to them things. And uh, he said, I'm going to tell you one more time. He said, I've got a gun on me. He said, you need to get out of here right now. It just stood there. Well, my dad held the 22 up in there and he fired it twice. And this thing never even budged. It never moved. It just stood there. 
And I'll never forget it because my I, my dad cussed, but I'm not going to say what he said. But I'll never forget what he said. He was like, what the? You know, he said this, this thing hadn't even moved yet. Well, then all of a sudden it just turns real slow and it starts going down the hill. And we just goes on down the hill. And my dad started to go that way, but then he stopped. He's like, no, he said, we're just, no, he said, we're not doing that tonight. So we go back inside the trailer. Well, the next day we're all sitting around the uh, breakfast table talking. And my dad said, I don't know what that was that I saw last night. He said, but if that was a black man, he said, that was the tallest black man I ever seen in my life. And then he looked at me and he said, did you see any clothes on it? And I said, no, because the street, like, like I said, that we had, you know, it's not very bright, but if the, if that guy had had on a shirt or a pair of pants or a pair of shorts or anything, you could have seen it because of the, uh, the outline of it. But this thing was just completely black and kind of not want to say like furry looking, but you could tell it wasn't like real smooth looking. But anyway, my dad said, did you see any clothes? And I said, no, I said, I didn't. And he said, I didn't either. And he said, I don't know what that was. He said, but it sure as heck wasn't scared of the gun that I had. And then um, my mom spoke up and she said, well, how did you know the thing was even looking in the window? My grandma said, well, when I was laying there, she said, I could hear something breathing real heavy. And she said, you know, she said, I thought it was me. She said, because I was sleeping. And she said, heck, I thought I was snoring. So she said, I woke up. And she said, I laid there for a few minutes. And she said, I started hearing it again. She said, then I realized, you know, it wasn't me. And she said, I raised up on the bed. And she said, when I raised up on the bed, she said, I just happened to turn around and look. And, you know, the trails on the windows back then, you know, you had to roll the window out. So it would actually open up from the outside. And she said, when I looked, she said, I saw what looked like a pair of cupped hands up against the window, the screen, basically looking at the glass and she said, I could see that. And she said, I could see a pair of bright, like white looking eyes. And she said, I knew right then that there was somebody looking at me. Well, like I said, I hadn't thought about that for years. I mean, years. And it just dawned on me a couple of years ago that that could have very actually been my very first Bigfoot encounter because I've heard stories nowadays where people talk about, you know, it was looking in the window or it was looking in the trailer. And I had never really given it that second thought until I happened, that happened to dawn on me a while back. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, that's pretty much how it all started for me. And then when I was about, I don't know, maybe 14 years old, 14, 15 years old. I remember I was in the library one day and I was looking, it was a, uh, it was a book called uh, Monsters, Myths, and Legends. I think that's what it was called. And I was sitting there flipping through the pages and I come across a picture of Patty, you know, old Roger Patterson, Patty. And it, it was talking about her, you know, talking about being in California, you know, Sierra Mountains and this, that, and the other, Bluff Creek. And from that moment on, I always wanted to go look for that creature because I thought, you know, there's a creature in the woods, you know, monsters don't exist, but there's something in the forest. So, and I kept telling myself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We know years go on, you know, you get older, you know, life takes its turns. So I really kind of got out of it. And then the area that I live in now, I just happened to be down in the area that I do the research in, which is you are in North Carolina. I was down there. And I heard someone talking about a Bigfoot encounter. And, you know, I just like, no, wait a minute. We're talking about Bigfoot here. So then the next thing I know, I see that the, uh, that, uh, show called finding Bigfoot or not finding Bigfoot. I like to call it, uh, was going to do an episode. You worry. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. I don't live but like, 25 minutes from Uari. So why are we talking about Bigfoot here? Because I'm, I'm not going to lie. I had never heard about anything or any kind of Bigfoot subject in Uari, North Carolina. Okay. Well, after the show's done, this, that, and the other. So I go on down there and I start talking to the guy who actually runs a store down there. It's called El Dorado. His name's Chris. I start talking to him about it, wanting to get into Bigfoot. And I told him, you know, I'd heard about stories down here and I'd seen the show. And he said, yeah, he said, well, he said, it's been popular with Bigfoot sightings down here. He said, since like back in the uh, late fifties, he said, but we don't really advertise it a lot. He said, because, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tight lip town. You know, it's, you got to know somebody if you want to actually talk about something. Cause you know, if you get out and start talking about Bigfoot and this, that, and the other, if they don't know you, you know, they're not going to open up to you. I tell you that right now. They won't. I mean, because a lot of people, you know, they make fun of you, they laugh at you, they ridicule you, so and they don't want that. But I started off down there talking to Chris, and he said, well, he said, I really don't know you that good. He said, but I tell you what, he said, I will just tell you some areas if you want to check out. He said, how's that sound? I said, yeah, that sounds fine with me. So he told me about one little area, and I said, heck, I said, okay, I'll just, we'll just see how it goes. So I finally talked my son into doing it, you know, he was young at that time. And we went down one night and we parked in this certain area. It's, it's, it's a campsite, but it's, uh, we weren't actually in the campsite cause there was nobody down there. We were actually sitting in this little bitty, uh, grassy looking area and we're sitting in the back of the truck and it wasn't that late. It was maybe nine 30 quarter 10, something like that. And, uh, we're sitting there and all of a sudden on the right hand side of me, just clear as a bell. We hear something like this. It goes, whoop just like that. 
And I had never, ever in my life heard that sound before. And my son raised up and he looked at me, and it was already dark outside. He said, you heard that, right? And I said, yeah. So I, I definitely heard that. And no sooner than I said that, it goes whoop, whoop, just like that again. But when it does it, something on the left-hand side of the wood line goes like that. And it's like it's, it answered it. And my son, he <laughs> He slid over to me. On, he was in the bed of the truck. He slid over next to me right up against me. And he's like, please tell me. He said, you heard that, right? And I said, yeah. I said, I heard it, Joe. Trust me. And then we didn't hear anything for maybe another 15 or 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, from the right-hand side, we hear whoop. And then from the left-hand side, it was like, yah, yah, yah. And it was like, that went on back and forth for maybe, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 seconds. And it just quit. When my son got scared. He said, I don't know about you. He said, I'm ready to go. So the next thing I know, we're getting in the truck and we're leaving. Well, the next day when I was at work, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, you know, could that have actually been a Bigfoot? Because I was thinking, you know, I've, I've always been into this, but I was always thinking like, you know, I had to go out to the mountains or had to go up to Sierra or had to go up somewhere four or five hours or halfway across the world to look for Bigfoot. But this thing was right here in my, basically my backyard. So that was when I actually started getting into it. So I went back down to uh, Chris at El Dorado and I told him what happened. And he asked me what area was I in. And I told him and he said, well, he said, the area that you're in, he said, that's really a really good active area. And uh, he said, but you need to, um, there's other areas, you know, that you can check out. He said, but try to stay in certain ones. He said, if you're really wanting to do this. So I started going back to that area just over and over and over again. And my first year of actually doing Bigfoot research down there, I can't lie. I had a digital recorder and I had a camcorder and that was it. That's all I had. I mean, that was my toy gadgets right there. And my first year down there, I bet I didn't have maybe a handful or two of things happen, but it was nothing really exciting. It really wasn't. I'd go down there on the weekends, about every weekend for a solid year. I was down there Friday and Saturday. And some weekends, you know, absolutely nothing. You wouldn't hear nothing. And then the next weekend, I might hear like a, a wood knock or I might hear like a, a rock clap. Now, in that area, rock claps. That happened all the time. I mean, and, but then what's weird is back then I was hearing rock claps a lot. But nowadays when I go down here, I never hear them. I don't know what's happened, but I never hear them again. But anyway, uh, like I said, was hearing the wood knocks and the rock claps. And every once in a while I'd hear like um, just something real faint, a yell or whatever. And that's pretty much my first year. And that, that was it. And like I said, I went for sometimes for a few months and absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. But then it was about maybe, I'm going to say a year and a half had been, or maybe a little, a little longer than that. Me and my son was down there one night and I was using my camcorder. Like I said, I still had that. And I was taking it out in the woods and uh, I was letting it record. I would put something out there in the woods and it had like a little infrared light on it. So and it, the battery wouldn't last but like about an hour and a half and that was it. And it was, it was dead. So I'd let the battery run out and then I would get it and we'd pretty much leave. So we went out there at night and it was, it was on a Friday night. It was about 10 30 cord level. Went out there and we got out there. And when we got out there, when we got out of the car, my son was like, he said, something don't feel right out here. He said, just, it's kind of a, it don't feel right. And I said, yeah, I know. Cause we could just feel it. Cause I, that's the first time I ever really had that feeling before. Like 
you didn't really need to be there, you know, like uh, it was either leave or, you know, whatever. That's the first time, and really pretty much the only time I ever had that feeling out there. But anyway, we got out, and we was talking, and I told him, I said, I'm going to take the camcorder down the hill. He said, all right. So I take it down the hill, and I set it up with a little bit of, I can't remember if I had a toy or some candy in there. I can't remember which it was. But I set it down, and I set the camcorder right across from it. Because like I said, the little eye beam, you couldn't get, I don't know, maybe a foot or two uh, viewing. That's all you could get because, you know, it's a little cheap camcorder. But anyway, I do that, and I come back up the hill, and I'm sitting there talking to him. I said, oh, well, I'm going to get out. And I said, I'm going to walk around a little bit. He said, all right. He said, I'm just going to sit in the car. And he said, I'll sit to play with my phone. I said, okay. So I get out and I start walking. And I've done one little loop around the, uh, the circle he's in. And I walked by him and I've done my little flashlight at him. He looked at me and waved like everything's okay. So I said, all right. So I've done the loop again. But when I did the loop, I went on out the other area, which was going out towards the end of the drive. And I thought, well, I'm going to walk out there and come back. Okay. I was gone maybe a good, 20 minutes maybe at the most well when i come back the doors on my car are locked the windows are up and he's waving at me just like get in get in hurt get in so i get in the car and he said where you been i said i was at the end of the drive down there and i said i just come back he said did you see or hear anything and i said no i did not he said you swear to me you didn't hear or see anything i said no i didn't i said because i've been down to the other end of the park he said, well, he said, let me tell you what just happened. He said, you had just hit that circle. And he said, and I saw you walking out, going out towards the long part of the drive, which takes you out to the end of the road. He said, and I just saw your flashlight get out of distance. He said, I'm sitting here. You know, I got the windows rolled down because it's kind of muggy outside. He said, I'm sitting here messing my phone. He said, and all of a sudden, on the right-hand side, he said, I started hearing branches cracking and popping. He said, at first, he said, I thought maybe it was you coming through the woods. He said, but. I didn't see no flashlight. He says, so I figured it ain't you because it's pitch black out there. And it's it's dark out there. When I say pitch black, I mean, you can't see your hand in front of your face. He said, so I knew it wasn't you. He said, and all of a sudden, he said, I hear something taking these big, heavy steps. And he said, it's getting louder and louder and louder. And he said, I'm telling you, Dad, he said, this thing was like it was stomping its feet. He said, it came towards the car. He said, I'm not going to lie to you. He said, I couldn't even grab the window. It rolled up quick enough. He said, I just grabbed the, the little button on the seat. And he said, I just launched myself backwards and just laid back. So all I was looking at was the roof. He said, I heard this thing come up towards the car. He said, as it was coming, he said, I could hear it breathing. He said, it was going like, <laughs> like that. He said, but it was taking heavy steps. He said, it got close to the car. He said, it turned. It went down the hill. He said, as it was going down the hill, he said it was making that sound. He said, but it sounded like it was hitting the trees. Okay. He told me that. I said, all right. Well, I said, we'll sit here in the car until the battery runs out of my camcorder because I could see the light down the hill on the camcorder. So when the light finally went off, me and him went down there real slow looking around, you know, taking our time. I got the camcorder. We come back up. We sat in the car and we started watching the videotape. And I, re I fast forwarded it all up to the part where he said it was at. And no lie. I wish I still had that to this day, but the, the tape that I was using, like I said, it was an old camcorder. The tape actually broke on me because I watched it so many times. You could hear something come down the hill. And when it was coming down the hill, all you could hear was like these heavy footfalls. And as it was coming, it was getting closer and closer. But the closer it got, it kept making this heavy, like it was out of breath, like almost like, like it had asthma. It was going like, <sighs> like that. But you could hear the heavy footsteps. 
And as it got closer, it sounded like it was hitting the trees. I don't know if it was hitting the trees with something had in his hand, but you could hear it going, and it was hitting the trees. Well, all of a sudden, it, it I never saw anything on camcorder. I never saw one thing, but it came so close to the camcorder, you could just hear the impacts on the ground, and it was like, just like that. And all you could hear was hitting the trees. And you could hear it completely walk off, completely just go off in the distance. You couldn't hear nothing else. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, that took about, uh, like I said, about a good year, year and a half, almost a year and six months to actually get that sound on camcorder but like i said i hadn't seen anything so let's see after that that was that time and then me and him was down there maybe three months after that yeah yeah about three months after that and we're in the campsite by ourselves but we're not in the same site we're in actually what is narrow let's see go in be number 14 on the left hand side and we got us a fire out there and we're standing there it ain't but like maybe 11 11 30 at night well, over towards the right-hand side of us, and we'd been out there maybe a good hour by the fire just standing there talking. Over to the right-hand side of us, we hear a crystal clear wood knock just clear as a bell on a tree. And he turned to look to me, and I, I didn't turn my head because I heard it. He turned and looked at me, and he said, you heard that, right? And I said, yeah, so I heard it. He's like, okay. He said, I'm just making sure. He said, that wasn't the fire popping, was it? And I said, no. I said, that was a wood knock because it came from over my shoulder over there in the corner of the park. He said, that's what I thought. So about maybe, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes go by. And all of a sudden, in that same direction, we hear like two hits on a tree. And like I said, there is absolutely nobody down there. There's one way in, one way out. So if anybody comes in or was in there, we would know about it. So we hear two knocks on that tree. Okay, well, he gets over towards me. And I told him, I said, said, let's just go there behind the truck and we'll just stand and we'll just look in that direction. But we still got the fire to us. So we go over there and we stand. And we stood there, I'm going to say, I don't know, that's maybe 30, 40 minutes at the most. And all of a sudden, we see what looks like a reddish, bluish looking, like a like a ball of light. 
and it's it's right over there where the wood knock was. And it's not a firefly because at this time of year, it's cold outside. There's no fireflies out. Okay. Well, it's kind of bluish reddish looking. And we see it. It just like it appears and it just like hovers there for, I don't know, maybe two or three seconds. And it just like it goes out real slow. And then after a few seconds, you see it again, but it's in a different spot. And it just sits there and it like floats back and forth, kind of like an almost like an orb, but not as big. At that distance, it looked like maybe about the size of a golf ball. But we see it go from one side to the other, just floating, and then it just vanishes. Okay. Well, about maybe five minutes after that, I don't know if I don't actually I don't know if it was that long. Say three minutes at the most. Right behind where me and him were parked at, which is basically right across from us to the entrance of the park. We hear this this sound right here two times. And I wish if my son was here, he, he could tell you the same thing I'm telling you right now. We're standing there, and all of a sudden, we hear something goes like this. It goes, just like that. And it sounded like an old man with a deep, growly voice who was mumbling, or what they called samurai chatter. First time I've ever heard that, and pretty much the only time I've ever heard that. My son looked at me, and he was like, Please tell me you heard that. He said, there's no way that you did not hear that. And I said, no, I heard it. And it was maybe a minute later at the most. It did it again, but it got a lot louder. And it had more of a more of a little bit more tone to it. It was more like a, like that. And my son was like, okay. He said, that's it. No. He said, I'm getting in the truck. He said, if you want to stay out by the side of the fire, you can. He said, but I'm getting in the truck. We'll call it a night. So we get in the truck. And we're sitting there, and he said, there's nobody out here but us. And I said, I know. He said, so what just made that sound? And I said, I'll be honest with you, Joe. I said, I really don't know. He was interested in Bigfoot, but not as much as me, but he was just more or less there to spend time with me, you know. But after that, I went back down to El Dorado, and I was talking to Chris again, and I was telling him, you know, about what I had experienced and what I was hearing. And at this time, like I say, that was like a year and six months. It, that's how long it took me to get that. And he told me, he said, well, he said, you're actually in a good area. He said, because there's lot, there's been a lot of activity in that certain area. He said, before they actually even cut the park, there was a lot of bacteria. Because I know I talked to a what lady. She don't want me to call her name. I won't call her name. She lives in Georgia now. They used to do Bigfoot research in that area. And before they actually cut the park and went in there and cut the whole section open, she said they had been researching that area for like 14 or 15 years. And she said there were tree structures everywhere in that area. And she said, I'm not talking about small ones. She said, and she showed me some pictures of this. There was one picture where there was like two trees and they were literally wrapped around each other. Just like if you took a twisty tie and started turning it and they were wrapped around until they were completely splintered and the top of them were bent over and drove slap into the ground. She said when they first saw that, she said they were just like blown because they had seen tree structures before, but they had never seen nothing to where it took two trees and wrapped them and drove them into the ground. And she showed me pictures of it. So if she had just told me that, I'd have been like, okay, trying to visualize it. Did this really happen? But when she showed me the pictures, it was like there was no denying it. You know, I'm actually looking at something that happened. And she was showing me other pictures, too, where they found a lot of uh, what they call the X formations, which I have actually found in that area and other areas in Uari numerous times from small ones to great big ones. And the big ones 
when you find them, that part of the tree don't even belong to the tree that it's leaned up against. And there's no trees around it that, that, that it don't even belong to. So it was actually carried there and put there. And I'll get into that later. But anyway, she was showing me that. And she was also telling me that when they would talk to the, uh, like the forest rangers, the park service about it, that when they brought it to their attention, within two weeks, when they would go back down and do the research, that the area that they told them about, that the trees were cut down, there was nothing out there like it had never happened at all. And she said that the whole time that they were down there, they found between, I think she said probably between 60 and 65 tree structures in that whole section that they ran down there, not counting tracks that they found. But every time they would bring it to someone's attention, they would go in there and clear the area out. Okay. Well, that's the same area that I use to this day on some occasions. But anyway, that happened with me and my son. That's how it all got started for me down in there. About probably three years, four years after that, me and my wife was down there one night. And we were sitting there around a campfire, sitting there talking. And she had her back to the wood line. And I'm sitting across from her. And, you know, and at that night, we wasn't, I wasn't even down there doing any Bigfoot research that night. We were just down there just, you know, enjoying ourselves and camping out. And all of a sudden, behind her, we hear, it's not like a deep voice. It's just something goes like, just like that. And she raised up and looked at me and she said, did you hear that? And I said, yeah, I heard it. And no sooner than I said that, it sounded like if you took about a 200-pound bowling ball and just dropped it out of a tree, and it, it hit the ground and made a massive thud. Well, she jumped up out of her chair, and she looked at me, and she's like, nope, I ain't doing this no more, and she pulled a chair away from the, from the uh, wood line, and she sat there, and we just sat there the rest of the night just listening, and we could hear something out there. It would go from one side of the uh, area to the other, just like pacing back and forth like it was watching us, and then we heard it walk off. And that happened that night. And like I said, we wasn't even down there squatching. We were just, you know, enjoying ourselves. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, it was a couple of years after that. I was down there one night with me and her again. And there was a guy who came up to us and his name was Ken Wilmoth. He walked up to us and he just started talking to us, you know, and I had never met this man from Adam. He came up to me and we was talking about the area and stuff like that. He's talking about how he had deer trail cams. He had some trail cams set up in the woods, you know, looking for deer and stuff. And he said, I just wanted to let you know, he said that there's two of them basically maybe 10 or 15 feet from behind you. And I kind of looked at him and I looked at my wife and I said, can I ask you a question? I said, um, you've got trail cams right here close to the campsite. I said, 
what makes you think the deer is going to be right here in the campsite if that's what you're looking for? And he just kind of looked at me and smiled. And he said, well, he said, um, maybe I'm looking for something else. He said, I just didn't really want to come up forward about it. And I said, no, I said, you know, tell me, what are you looking for? And he said, well, he said, you promise you won't laugh at me. And I said, no, so I'm not going to laugh at you. He said, well, he said, I'm actually down here trying to do some Bigfoot research. And I just looked at my wife and grin and I said, oh, you are? He said, yeah. And I said, well, basically, I said, that's what I've been doing down here for a while now. And he said, oh, really? I said, yep. So he started talking to me and we sat there right that night, probably, I don't know, probably three or four o'clock in the morning talking. And he asked me, he said, are you coming back down here tomorrow night? And I said, I can't if you want me to. He said, yes. He said, me and David, there was a guy named David with him. He said, we would love to have you come down here. So me and my son went back the next night. And this night is the first time that I ever actually saw a female Sasquatch. And the reason I know it was a female is because when it turned, you could see it had breasts just like Patty did. But I'll get into that in a minute. When I went back down there the next night and talked to him, it was me Ken, David, and my son, Joe. Okay, we all stood around, we talked, and we had a fire built. And uh, me and David was going to go up on the hill just walking, just see if we could see anything. And we were using walkies. So me and David started up the hill, and my son stayed down there with Ken. And um, we're going halfway up the hill, and all of a sudden, Ken radios David. He says, hey, he says, um, "Are y'all? where, where y'all at right now? And he said, we're halfway up the hill. Why? And he said, you haven't come through the woods at all. And we said, no. They said, we said, we're, we're halfway up the hill. And uh, he said, why Why you ask that? And he said, well, he said, we just heard something coming through the wood line. He said, we thought it was y'all. He said, because it, it sounded kind of big. He said, but you could hear the stride. He said, so we thought maybe it was y'all coming through the woods. And we said, nope. So we turned around and we, we came back. We got back in the campsite and we're standing around talking. And at that time, I had bought me some uh, night vision binoculars, but I didn't have them with me. I had them with me, but they were inside my truck. I didn't have them on me at the time. So uh, we were standing around talking. I told Ken, I said, I'm going to walk over to my truck, which is probably, I'm going to say, let's see, one campsite, two, three, four. I'm going to say maybe 70, 80, 90, maybe 90 feet at the most from where we was at. So I walk over towards my truck. And when I get right about where my truck's at, it was just like, I had that overwhelming feeling to just stop. Don't go no further. Cause like I said, it was pitch black out there. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And I had a little bitty flashlight in my hand just so I could see the ground, but it was just like, stop, don't go no further. And I'll be gone. Honest to God at that, at that moment in time, I didn't know exactly why, but I knew later. It's just like, I couldn't figure out for the life of me. Why could I, why couldn't I go no further? I was like, you know, what is this? What am I feeling here? So I finally walk over to my truck and I open my door up and I'm getting the night vision out and I'm sitting there trying to put my batteries in. The whole time I'm doing that, I'm looking around me like, you know, why have I got this feeling? Because I mean, it literally felt like someone's about to grab me. And that's, that's the guy's honest truth. So I get my night vision and I walk back over to Ken's of that. And Ken's like, man, he said, it took you a long time to get that night vision. And I said, dude, I said, there is something over there close to my truck. He said, what do you mean? And I said, man, I said, I have never, and I'll be honest with you, yeah, it gives me cold chills to talk about it right now. I get goosebumps. I said, man, I said, there is something over there close to my truck. I said, because when I got over there, I said, I just had that overwhelming feeling just to stop. Like something was about to grab me. He said, are you serious? And I said, yeah, dude, I'm dead serious. So he grabs his night vision. He starts looking. His, his is built a little bit different. Mine, mine showed up green. His showed up kind of like a, um, 
kind of like a yellowish, greenish tan looking, a little bit different. And David, David's standing there with his parabolic dish. Okay, we're standing there, Ken's looking, and all of a sudden, David's like, Ken. And Ken said, what? He goes, there's something over there. And he was pointing right at my truck, basically right across my truck set. And Ken said, what are you hearing? He said, I'm hearing breathing. And Ken said, you're hearing breathing? He said, yeah, dude. He said, I am hearing breathing. So Ken went over and he was listening to it. And he's like, oh, my God. He said, come here, come here. So I'm listening to one ear and Ken's listening to the other. And you can literally hear something just like, <sighs> like that. And I, I, like I said, I had never heard that before until that night. My son heard that going down the hill. But before that, you know, I'd never heard that before. So I'm like, oh, my God. I said, I told Ken, I said, I told you there was something over there, man. So Ken walks over and he sits down on the picnic bench and he's sitting there looking through his night vision. And he sits there maybe, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. And he's going from one, one eye to the other because you're about blind in each eye after you do it. It's like a flare thermal. And he's sitting there and all of a sudden Ken goes, oh, my God. He said, what is that? What is that? What am I looking at? And I turned to look at him. I said, what are you looking at? He said, come here. Come here. He said, get your night vision. I said, what? He goes, look straight ahead. He said, look straight ahead. He said, you see your truck? And I was looking through my night vision. I said, yep. He said, look over past your truck. He said, you see that great big tree right there? I said, yep. He said, you see the tree behind it where that great big heavily folded bush is? I said, yep. He said, keep looking at that tree. He said, I'm telling you, there's something there. He said, because I just saw something lean out, and I saw this big old eyeball light up. I said, really? He said, yep, just keep watching. So I sat there maybe, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 minutes, and I never see a thing. Well, I pulled the night vision down, and I'm sitting there rubbing my eye. About that time, Ken goes, look, 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 look. He said, there it is. And when I raised the night vision back up, you know, God is my witness. When I raise it back up, what do I see? I see what looks like the silhouette of a head and i see this big green looking eyeball and it's let's see the way i'm sitting right now it would be on my left yeah be on my left hand side of the tree and i mean you could clearly see the silhouette of the head look kind of like it wasn't it would had to be like a dark brown or dark black because it was almost pitch black but that eyeball looked like about the size uh maybe a little bit bigger than a quarter i sit there and watched it with ken and we sat there for I don't know, maybe off and on, maybe 20, 25 minutes going from eye to eye. It would sit there and it would come out and then it would go back behind the tree real slow. And then it would come out just a little bit so you could just barely see it. And then it would go back behind the tree. And then it would come out on the other side of the tree. You'd see the other side of the head and the eye. And it would go back and forth from one side to the other watching us. And Ken was like, oh my God. He said, I cannot believe what we're looking at. And uh, David, that was with us, he said, do you don't think it's a raccoon or an owl? And Ken said, no. He said, whatever it is, this thing is peeking at us from one side of the tree to the other. Well, about that time, we're both looking at this thing now. About that time, this thing steps out from the right-hand side of the woods. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll take it back. From the right-hand side of the tree to where right behind it was basically like the wood line. It steps out to the right-hand side. And it turns. And when it turns, we can clearly see the head, part of the shoulder, and we can see what, like I said, it looks like breast, just like Patty, uh, Roger Patterson. We could see the, the silhouette of the breast and the body. And Kim was like, oh, my God. He said, that's a female. And I said, yep. I said, definitely is. And it just turns and it just walks off in the woods like it doesn't have a care in the world. Okay. 
Well, about probably an hour to an hour and a half later, in that same exact area, we're all still sitting around. We're just literally sitting around uh, on the picnic bench around close to the fire, and we're just all talking about this. And about an hour, hour and a half later, we hear the god awfulest like howl slash scream come out of the forest like something is screaming bloody murder. And Ken jumps up and he grabs his, he grabs his firearm on the side. He's like, what in, you know, what in the H was that? And it was coming from the direction where this thing had walked off from. And I had never to that day had ever heard anything scream like that. Never. I mean, I know cougars will scream and they'll sound like a woman, but this sounded nothing like that. This sounded like if you, if you told four or five women just scream bloody murder at one time, that's just, that's what this thing sounded like. And then it just went dead quiet. I mean, dead quiet. And we didn't hear nothing else till about maybe four o'clock in the morning, way, way on a long ways from us, way up on that hill. We heard that same scream again in that same night. Okay. Well, that was the first night that I had ever actually seen what I called, what I call tree peaker or, or a female. Okay. Let's see. That was with Ken. Uh, it was not too long after that. He was down there with me again and we were sitting up in a tent and we was down in the wood line and he was sitting there listening through his parabolic dish. And I'm sitting there about by this time I had bought me a flare thermal so I could actually see better, you know, gives off the body heat and we're sitting there and I had cut a little bit hole in the side of the tent. So I'm looking out through the flare and he's sitting there with the parabolic dish listening. And he said, <laughs> I'll never forget it. He said, quit breathing. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, quit breathing for a minute. He said, I hear something. I was like, okay. So I just held my breath and he finally said, okay. He said, I just want to make sure it wasn't you. He said, dude, he said, there's something straight ahead of us. He said, and I can hear it breathing. I said, okay, let me listen. So I took the thing and I was listening and it was just, it almost sounded like like again, like heavy breath, but almost like it had asthma, like it was having trouble breathing. It was going <sighs> like that. And that was straight ahead of us. Now I never saw nothing on flare, but we heard it. Well, the next morning we go out there and look and it was like, we had to go down a hill. We go back up a hill and we found a bunch of bark that had been stripped off a tree, but there were like, I guess you get not what you want to call it fingernail marks, but they're like finger marks where he had literally stripped it off the tree. But what was weird about it was like all that big chunks of bark that had been stripped off that tree. None of it was laying on the ground. It's like something had picked up all that big chunks of bark and just walked off with it. Cause you could tell it was fresh where he had just come off the tree. Cause there was nothing wet. There was no wind. There was no storm that shit that would have knocked it off. And you could tell that it hadn't been rubbed off by a deer you could tell where it had been literally stripped off the tree and it was all gone. So that was, uh, something else that had happened. And then I'm trying to think I've had so much stuff happen. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, um, we was down there again, me and Ken, and we was down on a road called reservation road. And we was down there one night and we're set up and we're just sitting around the fire talking. And all of a sudden, you know, we just hear this, this loud yell, coming over across the mountain and he looked at me and he said get your recorder so i got my recorder and we started recording we actually caught that yell that night then later on during the night we're sitting around talking and from one side of the tree line to the other we just hear just just heavy footsteps just 
boom, 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 like something's just it's running, and it's not a deer because you can you can tell the stride. It's it, it's not a deer running. So I've had several things happen with Ken, but then there was a another gentleman that I had met, and uh, his name was Sam, and I I call him a uh, Sam. I am. Well, he had been talking to me for a while, and he asked me. He said he didn't really believe in Bigfoot, he but he was so curious about it. He said, I would love to go with you sometime. And I said, well, I said, I don't mind taking you. I said, as you know, I said, but I don't want you to go out there, you know, and start, you know, laughing or ridiculing me because of something. I said, especially if something don't happen, I said, because I can't promise you anything's going to happen. And I tell that to anybody who goes out with me or people I've met that, you know, doing Bigfoot research is kind of like a mouse and mouse and cat kind of thing. You just got to wait for something to happen. And sometimes it's like finding a a needle in a haystack, you know, it just don't happen just like that. You got to actually get out there and do research. And if you do, if you do research, you might find something. And then again, you might not, you just got to be in a good area for it. So he, he said he wanted to go. So I said, all right. And then, um, I'm going to tell you one thing that happened with him. And then I'll finish it up on the next episode with you about the rest of the stuff with him. His first night out there with me, we're sitting around and we had took this tarp and we hooked it to a tree because it was raining on us. The tarp was slanted back and we got out there around maybe five, five thirty after work. And it rained till probably, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And we're just sitting underneath the tarp talking in the rain. Well, the rain finally lit up. And after the rain lit up, it was foggy. And I mean, it was so foggy. You, you couldn't see five feet in front of you. You couldn't see nothing. I don't think you could basically see was we could see each other and we could see uh, our chairs. That was pretty much it. Well, we're sitting there talking around the chairs and all of a sudden on the left hand side of us, a rock about the size, close to the size, maybe like a tennis ball comes through the trees and it hits the ground and it rolls right in front of him. And he jumped up. I mean, it scared, it scared him to death. He jumped up. You know, he said, what? No, I ain't gonna say what he said. He said, what, what in the world is that? And I said, dude, I said, that's a rock. And he said, I know it's a rock. He said, but something just threw that rock. And I said, I know it did. Now he said, you ain't got nobody here messing with me, do you? And I said, no, dude, I said, I wouldn't do that to you. I said, cause I wouldn't want nobody doing it to me. And I said, plus I said, it's foggy right now. I said, they couldn't even see us if they throw that rock, hoping that they wouldn't hit us. So I kept that rock. I really do. I still got the rock in my truck, but after he jumped up and he got scared, he said, hold on. He said, I, I, he said, I don't know if I, don't know if I want to be out here the rest of the night. And I said, well, I said, if you don't want to do it, I said, you know, we can leave right now. And he's like, well, he said, no, I don't want to leave, but I want to leave. He said, because I ain't feeling this right now. So we sat there for probably about another three or four hours. We just took our chairs. And we set them right next to the picnic bench. And we just sat there right at the edge of the wood line. Okay, well, I'm going to say a good maybe hour, hour and a half went by, which would have been maybe as close to probably 3.45, 3.30 in the morning. From the right-hand side of us, we hear something come walking up. Not, I mean, it sounded almost like it was right there on us, but like I said, we couldn't see, you know, five feet in front of us because it was so foggy. We heard it come up from the right hand side of us. It come up, came right basically to the right hand side of us, went to the front and went straight across from us and just kept on walking. And it never made a sound, but you could hear footsteps just and I mean, he, <laughs> he slid over next to me and he was just a quivering because he, when he got right up next to me, I, I, I could feel him quivering. 
And he said, he said, I'm ready. He said, I'm ready to leave. He said, I, I don't even want to be here no more. He said, I'm ready to go. And I said, just, I said, man, I said, it's okay. Just, it's okay. I said, I've, I've done this, been out here for a while. I said, it's, it's not going to hurt you. He's like, I, I don't care if it's going to hurt me or not. And then, now this guy's ex-Marine. Okay. That's what's so bad about it. He's ex-Marine. He was scared to death, but he said, I, I don't want to be here. He said, I don't know what that was. He said, but I know for a fact that wasn't no deer that just walked in front of us. He said that was walking upright. He said, because I could count the steps knowing that that thing was walking upright. And he said, it walked right in front of us. He said, and what's scary about that, he said, is I couldn't see it. And I said, I know, man, trust me. I said, I've had this happen down there plenty of times myself. He said, but no, man. He said, I'm telling you, he said, I don't like the fact that I can't see this thing. He said, I heard it, but I can't see it. He said, I don't like that, man. He said, I, I, we, we, we need to leave. So we left. And a couple of days later, he came up to me at work and was talking to me. And he said, you know, he said, I said, I can't get that. What happened that night out of my head? He said, because again, he said, I can hear it clear as a bell walking. He said, but the fact that I couldn't see it, he said, I thought that thing was just going to reach out and grab me. He said, and that scared me. He said, I mean, that really scared me. He said, but I'm intrigued now. He said, I want to go back. He said, can I go back with you? He said, when are you going back? And I said, well, I'm actually going back next weekend. He said, can I go with you? And I said, yeah. I said, I'll be glad to take you. So he went out there with me, let's see, one, two, three more times. And the last two times that he went out there with me, we had something happen, what I call the old man of the forest. And I'll tell that on the next time. But then the last time he was out there with me, we actually had a full-blown Bigfoot encounter come right up on us to the point where me and him both saw it through a night vision that I had at that time. Cause at that time I wasn't using a flare, but we had night vision and it was a full blown. I mean, I guess what you want to call class a sighting. And I mean, it was literally right there on top of us to the point where he was so scared that he will not go back into the woods. He will not go back in the forest. He will not even contact me about this at all. He will not even talk to me more about this Bigfoot thing. And like I said, that's been several years ago since this happened. And, uh, like I said, I'll talk to you next time on the next time that we talk about this. But there is one more thing that I will tell you before I let you go for tonight. I've met a lot of people down there that people I don't even know. And when they actually find out, they'll just come up and just share their stories with you. For one, this is this was one of the ones I like the best. I had just got down there and Ken was with me at this time. We had just got down there and we were unloading firewood off the back of the truck. And there was two guys and a girl, maybe, I don't know, maybe she might've been 10, 12 years old. They had a little tent set up, but there was no cars there. And the guy looked over at me and he said, Hey man, he said, if you want to come in here, he said, you're more than welcome to. And I said, well, I didn't want to bother you. I said, because you know, I, I guess y'all was you know, sleeping over or whatever. He said, nah, man. He said, we hiked in here last night. And he said, we're, we're fixing to leave. And I said, okay. So me and Ken go over and we started unloading the firewood. Well, Ken kept looking at me and he said, Hey man, he said, uh, they keep staring at us. He said, they're going to come over here and say something. I said, all right. Well, about that time, Ken said, here he comes. Well, the guy walks over up to me and he says, Hey man, he says, I don't know you from Adam. He said, but I'd like to ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, do you come down here a lot? And I said, yeah, I said, I've, I've been down here quite a bit. He said, have you ever, the whole time you've been coming down here, he said, have you ever had anything weird happen? And I knew right then where he was going with it, but I didn't want to say, 
oh yeah, man, I've had plenty of you know stuff happen. Or you want to talk about Bigfoot? I didn't want to lead him, you know. I just I wanted to hear what he had to say because I like it better. I don't want to lead nobody. I want to hear what you got to say. He said, well, he said we hiked in you here yesterday, and he said last night he said around twelve o'clock. He said, I got out of my tent, he said, because I had to use the bathroom. He said, I walk over to the edge of the wood line, and he said, I noticed, he said, I'm not hearing no crickets. He said, I'm not hearing anything. He said, it's just like a dead silence. He said, but I noticed that before, he said, I was hearing crickets. He said, but now I'm not hearing anything at all. He said, and I'm looking around for my dog. He said, I don't see my dog nowhere. And, I, and at that time, I didn't even know he had a dog. And I said, you got a dog? He said, yeah. He said, you see right there behind that big tree? I said, yeah. He said, my dog's right over there. And he said, he won't come out. He said, he's scared to death of something. He said, so I'm looking around for my dog. And he said, I'm like, you know, you know, where the crap's my dog at? He said, so I went over there. And he said, my dog's right there behind that tree. He said, so I reached over and got a hold of him by the collar. He said, I pulled him over to the edge of the wood line. He said, because I thought maybe he had to use the bathroom or something. He said, so I told him, yeah, I'll let go of him. And he said, when I let go of him, he said, my dog walked back over to the uh, tree where he was at. And he said he walked back over and he said he got behind the tree and he just started cowering down. And uh, he said, I walked over and he said, I grabbed him. He said, what's wrong with you? And he said, I drug him back over the tree line again. He said, and I let him go. He said, but when I let him go that time, he said he started growling into the woods. And he said, I knew then that there was something out there. He said, so I went over there and he said, I woke my brother up. And he said, uh, my brother's daughter, he said, they got up. He said, they come out here. And he told him, he said, hey, man, he said, there is something out here. He said, because the dog's going crazy right now. He said, he's growling in the wood line. He said, there's something out here. He said, well, they stood there for maybe, I don't know, maybe six, seven minutes. He said, and all of a sudden, he said, on the right-hand side, down in the wood line, he said, we started hearing something going like, la, 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 like that, making that kind of sound. And he said, I looked at my brother and he said, have you ever heard anything like that? And he said, no, nah, man. He said, I've been hunting in the woods my whole life. He said, I've never heard anything like that. Well, he said, all of a sudden, it started doing it again. He said, but when it done it again, he said, on the left-hand side of the wood line, he said, something started going whoop, whooping at him. And I got thinking, I thought, my God, that's you're almost describing the same thing that me and my son heard years ago. And I'm talking years ago. He said, that went on back and forth for maybe I don't know, maybe a minute, minute and a half. He said, they were just like they were talking to each other. He said, then all of a sudden, he said, on the right-hand side of the forest where it was making that sound, this thing, they hear something get up, and he said, it takes off. He said, but it sounds like a freaking horse takes off running off up in the forest. I said, really? He said, yes. He said, whatever this thing was, was big. He said, if you took a big old full-grown horse and it just took off running. He said, that's what it sounded like. He said, but it wasn't four legs. He said, this thing was running on two legs. He said, it completely ran till we couldn't hear it no more. He said, so we get back in our tent. He said, because, you know, we're frightened. He said, we get back in our tent. He said, well, around 4.30 in the morning, he said, we hear something come walking up out of the wood line. He said, it comes walking up out of the woods. He said, we hear it walk on the gravel. And he said, we can tell it ain't no deer. It's not a fox. He said, we can tell it's not four-legged. It's, it's got a stride to it. He said, you can hear it walking on the gravel. He said, then it starts walking around the tent itself. He said, it goes around the tent probably two times. And he said, as it's walking, it's making kind of like a, like that sound again. He said, it walks around the tent maybe two times. He said, then it turns and it goes back down in the, goes back down in the woods. 
He said, but it don't go very far. He said, because we heard it when it stopped. He said, and all of a sudden, he said, we start here, like if you took like a, um, like a great big rock. And he said, you just start smacking the tree with it. And he said, after that, he said, uh, the, the little girl, he said, she got scared. He said, she's like just terrified by this time. And he said, and I'm going to lie to you. He said, I was scared myself. He said, all of a sudden, he said, the sound just stops. He said, we don't hear nothing else the rest of the night. He said, have you ever heard anything like that? And I told him, I said, well, I said, I've heard some things down here. I said, but I've never had that happen yet, which, you know, I wasn't going to lie about it. I had never had that happen yet. I've heard the sound of something being pounded against a tree with what sounded like a big rock, but I'd never had anything pacing my tent or anything like that yet. So they packed up their stuff and they, they were walking out. And as they were walking out, the dog, when he kept hauling for the dog, the dog was walking away, but the dog kept turning and stopping. And it was looking right into the wood line right there where we were at. Okay. And it would walk off, stop and turn around and look, walk off, stop and turn around and look until it finally just kept on going. But it kept looking back that way. Well, that night me and Ken stayed in that same spot and we were sitting there and I'm going to say maybe between 10 and 1130. All of a sudden, down in the right-hand side of the valley, we start hearing what sounds like um, rock claps. Like if you just take rocks and just start smacking them together. It would do it two times, it would stop. It would do it three times, stop. One time, stop. Two times. And Ken was like, that's almost like some kind of Morse code. He said, the way it's doing it. I said, yeah, I know. I said, I was thinking the same thing. So we hear that off and on for maybe like five or ten minutes. And then it just stops and we don't hear nothing else the rest of the night. But uh, I guess I'm going to stop right there with you and uh, we'll finish this up on the next one. Because like I said, on the next one, I'll tell you about the two stories with Sam and uh, what scared him so bad that he won't come back. And I'll also share next time some audio clips with you so you can listen to that. And I'll talk about some footprints, some tracks that we've actually found here in the last three years. We've actually been able to cast if that's okay. Oh, that's more than okay. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's looking forward to having you back on next week. I appreciate it, man. I really do. (laughs) No, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing these experiences with us. Thanks again so much. Have a great night. That's it for another episode of Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio with Vic Cundiff. If you've had a Sasquatch encounter and would like to be a guest on the show, please go to BigfootEyewitness.com and submit a report. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.